0: Hey everyone, my name is Josh Proctor and this is the Life on Side B podcast. On this podcast, we are going to discuss, as the name pretty much clearly states, what life as Side B LGBT Christians is really like. For those of you who don't know, Side B is a term used to refer to Christians who are LGBT, attracted to the same sex, or have gender dysphoria yet hold a traditional view of sexuality and marriage and therefore live according to that view every episode i will be talking with different side b christians about different aspects of their life faith and experiences my goal with this podcast is to show that being side b is not this depressing life of self-hatred and loneliness but rather it can be pretty dang beautiful and amazing. Now, every season, we will be focusing on a different theme of sexuality and faith issues related to the lives of Side B Christians. This season, though, I am really excited because we are going to be looking at different ways Side B Christians live out their sexuality and find intimacy and community. I hope that through this season, you will be able to see that there are so many different ways that Side B Christians can live with joy within their faith. I am really excited for today because we're gonna be doing something a little bit different than normal, and we have a very special co-host with us. Today, you're actually gonna be learning more about me, really, and how I have found community and belonging within my family and my group of friends. So, with that, let's head into the episode for today. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to episode three of Life on Side B. Oh, I'm so excited for this because today I have one of my best friends joining us, Michelle Newbold. Hi, Michelle. Hi. So this is going to be really fun because first of all, we're not doing this over Zoom. Second of all, so we get to be in the same room together. (laughs) Second of all, um, to give a little bit of an introduction to Michelle, Michelle is um, a friend of mine. We've known each other for how many years?
1: Uh, I think it's been like three and a half years. I think you yeah. and I have known each other for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a long time. I mean, I it's know, not like right? a long time, but it's longer than I was thinking.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, we've been friends for a long time and um, we are actually in the process of opening a church plant together yes. as co-pastors. So, so exciting. Oh, this is so exciting <laughs> to be able to do this together before as we prepare to do the other side. Of everything, So the fun part is, about all of this, is Michelle is not LGBT. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you might be wondering why that is. Uh, and that's because this episode is going to be actually a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, I'm not going to be interviewing Michelle, and we're not going to be necessarily interviewing anyone. I've been talking with a few people, and I got a good suggestion from... People listening to the podcast that it would be really good to do an episode kind of introducing me, and so that you all can get to know me a little bit. Woo! <laughs> and since I really didn't feel like just talking into a microphone by myself for an hour, uh, I asked Michelle to come on, and so that we could talk about it together.
1: I'm excited to get to know you again, John I know, right? <laughs> like you
0: don't know me nope. enough
1: already. Not at all. And
0: the other exciting thing is, is actually Michelle is going to be coming with me to revoice this year
1: yes i'm so excited for Revoice. yes
0: what are you most excited about
1: um i think for me really i'm the most excited about learning because Mm -hmm. i'm not part of the lgbt world as josh explained so i'm really just kind of looking forward to being surrounded by people that i can learn from um i think I grew up as a conservative Christian in a very conservative household. And so the LGBT world still kind of makes me a little um, uncomfortable in some ways. Like I'm very comfortable around a lot of people, but in some ways it's still, I don't necessarily know how to act around. It's new. Exactly. So, um, and really just this whole world has opened up to me just through knowing you. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm really excited just to kind of learn and get out of my comfort zone and be able to experience, or maybe not experience, but like, you know, be surrounded by LGBT people for four days straight.
0: I know, (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm excited that this year you're going and another one of our friends is going and there's a few other people that I know that are coming for the first time, so I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not let alone just me going myself because that's exciting in and of itself. Okay, well, actually, we are going to start today off with a new segment called... Are you ready for this?
1: I am ready for this.
0: The new segment is called Dear Straight People. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought, in honor of having Michelle with us today, it would be a perfect time to launch this segment. Yes. So, I have asked a few people that I know some for their best fun or serious... Short letters to straight people. What would especially side B or all LGBT people like to let L- straight <laughs> people know, especially straight Christians? Yes. Um, let's see. Okay. So the first one, I love this one. And uh, so the other thing is, is that I'm not going to be mentioning names because I forgot to ask everyone if I can mention their <laughs> name. So if you sent one in, I really apologize. And I love you dearly. Uh, so this is the first one, and I'm totally going to be adding in these clap emojis, which is, dear straight people, I will not be your gay best friend.
1: Except you're my gay best friend. Well,
0: okay, so someone commented, <laughs> that, and they were like, but I'll be your gay best friend. and <laughs> Which is, it's just true, and not true at the same time. I mean, like... I totally understand this the um, essence of that, of, like, being pursued at just so someone can have a gay best friend. But, yes, I am your gay best that's, friend.
1: That's kind of true, though, because, like, sometimes when I was in high school, I used to see gay people and I'd be like, I want a gay best friend. Right. <laughs> and you got one! <laughs> I did! It only took, like, five years after five high years. school. Five but... years. I
0: know. All right, so here's another one. Dear Straight Pastor... Give me one week and I will increase your church's offering tenfold by helping you get your life together, starting with your Sunday attire. Your lady will thank me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also not untrue. I'm I just mean, saying.
1: I mean, where's the lie in that, though? I know.
0: <laughs> but like, well, I mean, unless you're like some mega church. I mean, I'm sorry. But they've got... What, have you seen that new Instagram page where this guy looks at videos of pastors and he Ooh. finds how much... No, I'm not joking. There's an Instagram page. Someone please help me find the, the handle for this because it's amazing. I can't remember what it is. But <laughs> this guy looks at pastor sermons mm-hmm. and he finds where they got their clothes from. And posts how much their clothes are, and it'll be like Stephen Furtick's shoes are worth three hundred dollars. And and I I know like he explains that a lot of these things are like gifts to pastors from like members of their churches, but yeah. it's just really funny. Like, oh, this pastor's wearing these like really nice shoes or this really nice jeans. So I mean, hey, but absolutely in many churches. Um, and then this is another one of my favorite ones, dear straight men, you're not my type. <laughs> Followed by, dear straight men. Even if I do have feelings for you, I can't control myself. <laughs> that's actually, when I do, like, talks on LGBT stuff, mm-hmm. that's normally a question I get a lot from straight people. Really? Is, is like, well, what do I do if they like me? Mm-hmm. And normally my thing is, is well, first of all, gay people have, like, self-control. Mm-hmm. Second of all, don't worry, unless you like them. <laughs> I mean, like
1: that's true, yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. Did you ever feel that way? Like, maybe with girls?
1: Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, which Uh, I
0: understand. It's just...
1: Yeah, especially if they were a little more, like, flamboyant in a Mm -hmm. way. Because, I don't know, that was just always something where I was... I think that's part of the discomfort a little bit from when I was growing up was I was always like, well, are they going to have a crush on me? Do I Mm -hmm. need to be careful? But then, you know, I'm just like... Whatever. They're people. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Now we get into a little bit more of serious ones. I mean, this one just is like all-encompassing. Dear straight people, can I live?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Oh, my my (laughs) God. No, it's so true. I mean, I totally get that. Sometimes you just get so annoyed and you're just like, like, just 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 let me alone.
1: Can you leave me alone? Please. I know. I mean, like, sometimes I feel like that, also, not for myself, but for the LGBT world, because... Like I said, my family is very conservatively Christian and so sometimes I'm just like, can you just leave people alone and let them do their own thing? (laughs) They're not hurting you, so leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Exactly.
0: Yes. Oh, and here's another one. And this is one that I really wanted to hear you comment on, which was, dear straight women, please stop saying that it's such a shame when an attractive man is gay. (laughs) Men do not exist for your consumption any more than you exist for theirs. Ooh. Okay. How true. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sadly, I thought this many, many, many times because I'm 26 and I'm still single. And yes. so then they'll just be like this really attractive guy. Or like I'll be at the mall and there's sur- I'm surrounded by attractive men. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're all either taken or they're gay. And I'm like, there's nobody here that, well, like,
0: I have like, to say, I have thought the same thing about straight men. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so at least there's that reversal. There is, so. there is reversal. So that there. makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, and not yeah. so uh, materialistic. I
0: mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I have thought that before <laughs> about men. It's like oh, straight, darn it. Um, uh, next one, dear straight people, I'm willing to bet that I have thought, prayed, and researched longer and more deeply about this than you have. Let me be the expert of my own experience oh yeah well i honestly have felt that i've really been frustrated about that like when some people are saying well you should study the topic and i'm like yeah yeah like mm-hmm. i have i have a master's <laughs> degree in biblical studies <laughs> i think honestly that's partly why i got a master's degree uh-huh. in biblical studies was so that people would leave me alone being like yeah my conclusion yeah. like i've I legitimately thought about it. Well,
1: and now you're going for your doctorates.
0: And now I'm going for my doctorate. Dear Lord.
1: So.
0: Why have you not stopped me?
1: Because you won't let anybody (laughs) stop you. That's why you're obsessed with school.
0: You guys got. Okay. I'm going to share a story with all of you guys. (laughs) Is that I. um, So we're going to talk a little bit later about a group of friends that Michelle and I are part of. That we call the Fantastic Four. Yes, we're not nerds. Obviously not nerds. Nope. Not at all. Um. And for a while, I was the only one in school and I was suffering through that all by myself.
1: You were. It was, I, I felt so bad for you.
0: It was awful. And I finally got my master's degree. And I am not joking. August, like two months after I finished my master's degree, everyone announced that they were going to school. <laughs> you all started together and you're like,
1: yay, we get to study together.
0: And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs>
1: I just
0: hate all of you. But
1: now you're getting your doctorate so you I can know. join us. Now now we're all studying together. Exactly.
0: Um, okay, so then two more. next one, dear straight people. just because I say I'm gay doesn't mean I'm into the hookup scene. There is a difference between sexuality and sexual activity. Wait, what? <laughs> but it's true. like i I can't remember someone wrote a article saying something about like I'm tired of having to always preface when I'm like like you as a straight girl, never have to tell people. Oh, I'm straight. Oh, but I'm not hooking up with men. Like, in the first... (laughs) Like, you never have to say, I'm a celibate straight person.
1: No, that's true.
0: And I guess, like, someone wrote an article about, like, how they're really tired of, like, why do I have to put celibate Uh, in front of it when straight people don't have to do that? Right. But, I mean, I kind of get it because, obviously, like, the point is celibate, like, planning to never have a sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. But...
1: I mean, though, like at the same time, I mean, you do get a lot of. Sometimes you'll get straight people that are just they want to dress a little more provocatively because they're very comfortable with their bodies, and so but they're not sleeping around. Yeah. And so then, but because they're wearing that provocative clothing, mm-hmm. a lot of people are just like, "Ooh, they must be sleeping around and you know doing the do with all yes. these people." That's but, true.
0: People. Will but they're not. We just need to stop assuming people are having sex.
1: Just stop judging people. People, <laughs> it's not Christian like.
0: And the last one, I thought that this was a good one to end on. To whom it may concern, I love you. Regards. <laughs> That's the sentiment.
2: Yeah.
1: So,
0: none of this was to make you feel bad as a straight person. I just no. thought it was fun. No, to absolutely do it. not. Um, awesome. Okay.
1: I think these are funny too. So. Right? They are really good. Yeah. And
0: there's so many more. And if you sent me one and I didn't read it today. Uh, I'm probably going to read it later on, so don't worry. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll just write a book about Dear Straight People. Well,
0: for a while, I was actually thinking of making this podcast called Dear Straight People or Dear Straight Christians. I know. I know you were. I was that thinking was about it. That was a very it. serious title. That was that a very serious title about. that this, this podcast was almost called. But then I felt it, was, it needed to be more encompassing. Um, so, okay. All right. Well, again, this conversation, I literally have no idea how this is going to work. We're just gonna talk,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, the again, the goal is is that um, you guys can know more about me, so that as you listen to me interviewing other people, you can know who the hell is talking.
1: <laughs> yes, I think that's very important.
0: Yes. Um. So to give you guys a little bit of a backstory, I was raised in a um, Christian family very Southern Baptist Christian family. And while I would say my family was conservative, I would never put us as like like freakishly conservative on anything. No. I mean, I was the youngest of five and I grew up watching Friends and Golden Girls. So
1: Yeah, see that's the opposite of my family. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my family's conservative. I know. <laughs> but I mean we
0: were generally conservative. Like we held to conservative Christian Christian views. Um but um, you know, growing up in the church, it's really funny because I while our church was really conservative, we just never talked about homosexuality. Our church was never one that said, like, oh, gay people are going to hell. <laughs> um, it just was never mentioned. Uh-huh. And I think that mixed with that I – my being the youngest of five, like I said, and my brother was 15 years older than me. My parents, I think, got to the point where, like, as long as you're not dead, you're fine. Just, like, go go outside yeah. and play and yeah. whatever. But I
1: feel like that's the case with a lot of younger... Yeah, like, like, like a lot of younger... That's, like, my sister. Like, I had all the strict rules because I'm the oldest of five. Yeah. And then my sister, who's the youngest, was, like, out doing whatever she wanted as long as she wasn't, you know, doing drugs or doing anything bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. And... I think that's the thing. And so with that, obviously, I saw a lot of gay characters on TV. Yeah. And no one ever responded badly. Uh So it's really funny because with those two things, I I knew I was attracted to guys really early on. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have – I didn't have a word for it. But I just – I knew that I was drawn to guys. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was normal because, like, you saw it on TV and no one said anything in church. And so I still remember – Um, I can't remember how old I was, but my, one of my cousins, um, her and I are kind of like twins. I call her my twin. Yes. Um, and we, I was with her and I can't remember who, I think it was Justin Timberlake. Don't judge me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Justin Timberlake came on the TV. I
1: can't can't really judge you for Justin Timberlake. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Justin Timberlake came on TV and I was like, oh, I would love to marry him. (laughs) (laughs) And Casey was like, um... My cousin said, uh, Josh, that's not normal. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, he's cute and I want to <laughs> marry him. And that was the really the first time I ever got exposed to the idea that, like, there was something wrong mm-hmm. with me wanting to be. I, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know what I wanted from guys, like, you know. Right. Um But that there was something wrong with homosexuality, something Mm -hmm. like not right as the way I was thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really just about being told that there was something wrong with homosexuality, but really that that was the first moment where I felt like I was different and I didn't belong. Right. And I know that that like really propelled me down trying to figure it all out. And then in school, I, um, I was about fourth grade. I, I was bullied a lot in school and i had to switch schools a few times the first time in my in my first school i was called gay Mm. and i had no and i would i was called worse things than that i was i was told like god made a mistake when he made me a boy blah 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 all this stuff it's Mm -hmm. fine i've gotten over it um but the gay term i can't remember why that stuck out i was like what is this Mm -hmm. term like i want to go home and Find it out.
1: Yeah. Like the, when I, I remember it, my first experience with the term gay was just people being mean. It would be like, ugh, that's so gay. Yeah. And like, I didn't necessarily know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then for s- somehow, I ended up finding out that the original term for it meant happy like a hundred <laughs> years ago. So then people would be like, ugh, that's so gay. And then I'd be like, Shut well, up. gay means happy. So yeah, it's gay. <laughs> That is awesome. That sounds like something then, you would do. And then I went, ended up finding out like what it actually meant, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I can I can imagine you doing that in Saudi yeah. Arabia. Yes, that's actually probably that's where it was in so, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Oh,
0: for for context, um, Michelle used to live in Saudi Arabia yeah, with her from family from
1: like third to fifth grade. Oh so my goodness, that's about the age when you start realizing when you start realizing that words stuff. And, Like a lot of those Ooh, words Oh, that would have gone out. over. So yeah. okay. I mean luckily I was at an American school yeah. With like a lot of The foreigners that were there mm-hmm. But It was <laughs> just so kind weird. of funny
0: That's really funny um, Yeah I mean I, I don't know why that word stuck out to me But I was like of all the words you're calling me This word's interesting I'm going to go home <laughs> and I'm going to look it up I can't say Google it because Google didn't exist um, Oh gosh But I looked it up Obviously I found porn and uh, my parents saw it that day. And I knew they'd seen it, even though they didn't say anything. Yeah, you know, I, 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 my family's just not one that r- we really,
2: mm-hmm. w-
0: we never really used to talk about that kind of stuff. So I knew that they had. And then later on, um, they let me know. I think it was like a year or two later. They let me know, like, hey, you know, we saw this. And uh, we're going to take you to counseling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know a lot of people can judge and I'm telling everyone, like, I don't judge my parents for wanting me to take – like, it was a counselor who was, you know – I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was reparative therapy, but it was along those lines mm-hmm. of, like, to change right. my sexuality. And I don't – I don't, like – I've never held that against my parents Yeah. at all because they were, they were trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah. And know? they didn't necessarily know no, either. No, they
0: didn't know. And we've had a lot of conversations since then, so –
1: Like in the 90s, yeah. I mean, there's not really anything that you can – really do about that except try to figure it out
0: yeah and so that's why i'm also saying anyone listening uh you're not allowed to judge my parents because i don't judge them so just (laughs) letting you know um but uh they so they took me and i i was just really confused because i still didn't understand my my whole situation Mm -hmm. uh let alone trying to figure out what i'm supposed to do and like the guy would talk about like what it means to be a man and the you know relationship between men and women i'm like dude (sighs) like i don't even understand me yeah yeah um, and so I remember finally, I, after pleading and pleading and pleading, I got them to, you know, stop having me go to counseling and for a while, we just didn't talk about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just kind of dealt with it on my own. Well, you know, over time, as I'm growing up, I went through, you know, I came out to my, well, I, well, I really got depressed After Mm -hmm. a while. I mean, I would sleep in my closet. Mm -hmm. The irony
1: of
0: it. -hmm. The irony. Seriously. How old were you then? I was in middle school. I was in middle school. And I would sleep in my closet. Just because I was so depressed. And I wouldn't eat at times. And actually, my not eating is what got me to come out the next time. Because when I was on a youth trip. Mm -hmm. And it was actually my brother-in-law that was my youth pastor.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, And he was getting on me about not eating.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. But I was like, I'm not. Because I was just so... I was, I was, I was a mess. And we got into like a little bit of an argument just about like, you need to eat. No, I'm not eating that kind of stuff. And I can't remember why, but I just blurted blurted out, I'm gay. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And what I remember is that he just walked and he turned out and walked out of the room. And I'm like, great. (laughs) Just great. I have told someone that I'm gay and now they're walking out. And it's my brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, But that actually really honestly turned out to be good because he later on came back, I think, after kind of, you know,
1: processing. processing. yeah.
0: And he really led me through a lot of um, just being able to talk about it, you know, and being able to go through it. Now, he did get me involved in, like, Exodus uh, Ministries, Mm -hmm. which is another form of ex-gay ministries. But, again, I think it's because growing up in in conservative Christianity, like, that's the resources that people – Used, knew of knew of and um but obviously it was I, I'm not gonna say it wasn't like it, it was it was a process kind of trying to deal with that like so wait I have I'm gay and and this in Christianity says I'm not supposed to be gay mm-hmm. but my attractions aren't going away and that was a that was a continually back and forth thing for me I would say throughout all of my childhood and my teenage years of trying to figure that out. And going back and forth between ex-gay world ministries and kind of doing my own thing and and dating until then. Well, ex- and then I had my first boy. I had my first boyfriend in high school, and again, that was all involved in all of that. But I think it was around the end of high school when I was more along the lines of just screw this. I'm so done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just. <clears throat> done done done
1: done trying
0: i'm done trying and yeah. you know christians were not always the greatest mm-hmm. and i just came to feel at that point that church was not a place that i was wanted as a as a gay kid right i i didn't feel accepted and i i felt more burdened than actually safe in within the church walls mhm I would still go to Bible study and I tried to act great at times for people because growing up in a Christian home. But beyond that, I dated, I I, I had my boyfriends and, you know, and I, I don't know, went through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the biggest things for me is, um, I really got into a, a dark place during that period of... Of really just rejecting Christianity and I, I mean, it, it, I, I slept around a lot. I, I got to a point where I really didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that that's, and I also don't want people to think that I'm saying that that is a all encompassing version of the non-Christian LGBT community. Cause it's mm-hmm. not. That's just what I got stuck yeah. into.
1: Well, I think also when you're trying so hard for so long to, like, keep things in check mm-hmm. and when you're just, like, trying so hard to lock things you know. down yeah. and that's all you know, I think there's there also just comes a breaking point where you're just like, screw this. I am just going to do what I want. I'm going to... Like, and then you go completely 180. Oh, in a way. yes, yeah. And so it's like, then all of a sudden, you have you go from like having such tight control over yourself to having like no, no control, control. <laughs> yeah. And then it's kind of like trying to find like coming back to where you find yourself, and
0: yeah, and, well, and yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. And for me, getting to that point was one of the biggest <laughs> things of bringing me back to God, of saying, like. I had, I looked around and I found myself in a really dark place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just a really, really dark place. And knowing that faith was the only thing that was going to change that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's the only thing that was going to change it. And so I got involved in like sex addiction counseling mm-hmm. and really came back to God and just like, God, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. back. I don't know what life will look like mm-hmm. because I'm still gay and I'm not going to pretend yeah. that I'm anything else. Yeah. But uh, like, I know I can't do this without you.
1: Mm-hmm. I I kind of love when you talk about your story because uh-huh. it wasn't just like a pivotal moment where all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, I'm yours. It was kind of like a gradual releasing yeah. and surrendering to God. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was, that
0: it's really true because that first time where I'm like, okay, you know what? I need God in my life. I still had stipulations. <laughs>
2: yes. like I'm never moving outside the country.
0: <laughs> I'm never working in a ministry. Uh, many different things like that. Yes. But it, it was a gradual way of just being able to know more and more about my understanding, my, mm-hmm. my need for God. And that was really the first step was saying, God, I'm in this dark hole. I need you to get me out of it. And so I got out of that kind of like hooking up um like cycle that I was in. Right. But I, I was a side a Christian. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I, I was like, you know what? I, I still want a husband. I want this life. Yeah. And I'm not going to give that up. Yeah. And so for me, that was a very big part. And that actually led me to, uh, you know, I I kept dating. I had a few different boyfriends and, and then I ended up dating one guy and we had a great relationship. I mean, honestly, I actually didn't want to date him when we started. But he, he convinced <laughs> me. He was amazing. And our, our relationship got really serious. And I really, really liked him. Mm-hmm. And I saw a future with him. And kind of being able to see, you know what, maybe with him, these my dreams of being able to have the house, the family, mm-hmm. the husband, this can all possibly happen with him yeah um maybe he didn't see that but i did (laughs) um and you know in the middle of of this relationship is when i i had a friend who lived in another city and a mutual friend of ours was coming down to visit him Mm -hmm. and when i when i found out that our mutual friend was visiting him i i told my boyfriend i said hey i want to go go over and see them then about like two hours away mm-hmm. and I just want to go see my friend that's in town. Well, he didn't like the idea necessarily because I, you know, the guy's ex-gay, but, um, the, the friend whose house the other friend was going to was ex-gay. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go. <laughs> but when I, went there. You know, the one thing I loved about my friend whose house I was going to. We don't really talk anymore. We don't talk anymore. Um, but I've always loved that even though we didn't agree on LGBT issues, he was a man of prayer.
2: Mm-hmm. And I've
0: always respected that about him, even to this day. Mm-hmm. I do respect that about him. And that's what drew me to him, was I could you could really feel God's presence on him and where he was at. Yeah. And when I entered his house, after I had driven over and I, I went and I visited uh, – I w- walked into his house. And it was just suddenly, like, the spirit of God just just came over me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, you have to remember, I was raised Southern Baptist. So yeah, that doesn't – that's the only time in my life something like and that And then you
1: happened. had just spent the last several years fighting God. Exactly. And then coming to this point where you're, like, feeling God's presence. Yes.
0: And so <laughs> – and the best word I've ever been able to put to it is a vision
2: mm-hmm.
0: is like, but I, even that, I don't know. It was just a matter of like, suddenly God was tangible. It was like an
1: impression.
0: Yeah. But almost like tangible. Mm-hmm. Almost like I could literally feel him. <clears throat> yeah. And with that, it was, you know, in in that like vision or in that time with God, it had nothing to do with homosexuality. It was really more of a matter of God showing me what he could do with me if I gave over to him every part of my life. Yeah. Especially my relationship with my mm-hmm. boyfriend. And, you know, in it, I just remember feeling like God was saying, I can't promise you children. I can't promise you a marriage. I can't promise you these. I'm Not that he can't. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. But. I will promise that if you follow me with these things, I will use you. Mm -hmm. And I did not tell people about this vision. I did not (laughs) tell anyone. Because, I mean, people would think I was crazy. I mean, even Christians. Like, I had a vision from God. Yes. Like, (laughs) I am not Moses. And so I kept it quiet for a long time, just processing, like, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. Because this will change my life. To...
1: Like, completely.
0: <laughs> and I processed it a while, months. I, I, I can't, no, I don't make, I, I'm awful with time. Anyone who's listening who actually knows my story, um, <laughs> if you go, hey, that timeline is off, don't judge me because I'm awful with time. Okay. I processed it for some amount of time. And then I finally came back and I, I told my boyfriend, like, hey, this can't happen. Like, mm-hmm. I love you. And, I want, you know, to be with you, but I have to follow this. Yeah. And I would love to say after that, that oh, life got great and all of this stuff. But the year after leaving him was the worst year of my life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was depressed. I was angry at God. I went through so many different emotions of feeling like, God, you've ruined my life. You've destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, really, God had taken away the very place where i found belonging yeah and i and i feel like god knew i needed that
1: mhm
0: like he knew i needed like he understood that it would be hard for me to leave yeah uh you know i i really do believe that god is <laughs> the most gracious being you can ever find yeah And he understands sometimes that even when we give up things that he tells us to give up, that it's not easy. Yeah. And so.
1: Well, and I think he knew that in that time you needed to grow that strength. Yeah. And it wasn't like. Um, Like, I think that God likes to use those moments where he kind of, like, strips us of ourselves yeah. in order to, like, build us back up again mm-hmm. more in his image and with his strength and stuff, which, I mean, you've shown even just in the last three and a half years that I've known you. Yeah. And Aww. so. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, since then, after leaving him and after going through that year of depression, I didn't know where to go.
2: Like mm-hmm. side
0: B was not something I knew about Right. of, Hey, you can be gay and follow God and, and yet still believe in the traditional view of sexuality and marriage. Like that was not something that I, I thought was an option.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I went back into the ex-gay world. I went into, you know, different ex-gay programs and, and those kind of things. And then I realized it just wasn't for me. I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. And then after that, I went through I went through a period where I just ignored the topic, mm-hmm. um, and that was around the same time I went down to Columbia, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, but I, you know, while actually, you know, in one of in one of the programs I was in, I met um, a guy who was from Columbia,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: he invited me down, and I'm like, hell no, don't you know one of the things I told God is I'm not leaving this country. <laughs> um but he kept pressing and i was like fine i'm gonna go never
1: tell god never oh gosh
0: you know so he invited me down and i went down and i fell in love with Colombia.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: i just fell in love with the country and um what the church that like my friend was a part of like what they were doing and so i wanted to work for them so through you know I asked them if they had a job, they were like, well, we don't have money to pay you. And I was like, well, volunteer for a year. And if at the end of the year, if there's possibility for me to come on, I would, I would like to work with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did that after the year. I had a job, but during that time I was just ignoring LGBT issues. I was, mm-hmm. I really didn't, I, tr- I really didn't interact with a lot of my old friends, whether conservative, liberal, wherever they were side A, side B, side X, X gay, whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't really deal with it because I didn't want to deal with the topic. All I knew is God had told me not to be in, like not to pursue a gay marriage. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just not going to do that for right now
2: because
0: mm-hmm. I don't want to figure it out. And then for me, the biggest thing was Pulse happened. Yeah. Uh, the Pulse shooting in Orlando.
1: Yeah.
0: Obviously, because I had I had been to, you know, the Pulse Club before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were people that I had known that were there. Yeah. Uh, not like close friends or anything, you know, yeah. but people I knew. And it, it was a wake-up call for me of God saying, your family's hurting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm like, I'm a, I am a kid in Columbia. Like... South America. What am I supposed to do? And so I ignored it for a while until then it was months again. Can't remember time to save my life. uh, Months or a year later that I went to New York for a class in my master's program. Yeah. And while there I was walking around Hell's Kitchen, which if you guys don't know Manhattan, Hell's Kitchen is a pretty predominantly gay area of Manhattan. Um. And I was walking around and obviously seeing a lot of LGBT people. And I felt like walking around there compared to the other parts of Manhattan, I saw like barely any churches. Like Mm. at all. Yeah. And maybe they were there. I don't know. Maybe you're listening to this and you're from Hell's Kitchen. You're like, that's not true. The churches
1: were in the closet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were in the closet. I love it. Um, But it frustrated me. And I went to my professor uh, and I shared with him my frustration. And I remember him just saying, well... You know, they don't want it. That's why many people don't go there. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but do we say that about Muslims? Like, hey, we're not gonna go to Iraq and Iran or whatever country, I don't know. Like a Muslim country, we're not gonna go because they don't want the gospel. And I'm like, that makes that argument makes no sense. No. At all. Like no. all people need the gospel, whether they think they do or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that was really what spurred me on.
1: And I think that even gets into the whole rejection thing of like, yeah. well, if I go into this community, then I'm going to get rejected. So yeah. why would I go there? But then, like, those are the communities that God calls us to the, the most. Exactly. Is like, like Even the Muslim world, which, I mean, even still in America, we're still dealing with prejudices towards, towards Muslims. Yeah. And so it's like... Well, God called us to preach the gospel to all people and yeah. not just the people that we want or the people that seem kind of close to God.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, you know, it's kind of like the whole thing I always talk about with Samaria. Yeah. Of how I personally believe, and you can have a different view than I do. But in Acts, when Jesus says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, a lot of people always take those four as geography references, like farther and farther away. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Samaria is in that list for geography purposes. No. I really believe that Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth are there for geography purposes. I do, I do think, though, that some, he adds Samaria strategically to say, these people that you hate, because the Jews hated uh, Samaritans yeah. and felt that there was no hope for them yeah. to be close to God. Even though, in you know, in a way, like we've learned from Jesus's interactions with the Samaritan woman, like she did, like they did have some kind of connection with God, right. but he was like, this people that you hate, they need, they need the gospel too. Like yeah. they need God too. So don't forget them. Right. And I always feel like that reference is there even to remind mm-hmm. us that you are my witnesses in your town, in your country, mm-hmm. to the ends of the earth, but also to the people that you don't like.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that was kind of a good reminder for you also of just like you were kind of ignoring that huge part of yourself mm-hmm. for those couple of years or whatever yeah. it was. But then, you know, with the pulse shooting and with walking around in an area where there's no churches, God was kind of like, but, you know, these are kind of like modern-day Samaritans exactly. and you're ignoring them. Yeah. And so I feel like that could have been God just being like, you know, there's these people that, that you are specifically designed to minister to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know. I totally... I totally agree. I feel like that was the biggest thing for me. was just a wake up call of like, I need to do something. Yeah. And that moved me into then really going, okay, if I'm going to do something, I have to figure out what <laughs> I believe <laughs> yeah. and what I'm going to do. And that really led me onto a whole nother thing of like self discovery of myself, which really is where, what led me to side B, you know, like I met other side B people. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved in side B ministries and because well, it, my, the church in Columbia I had been like, we need to do something. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't know, but we have to do something now. And they're like, well, do a workshop. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Why not? I don't know what to do. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I put something together. They loved it. And they were like, okay, we want to do more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, remember, this is not the States. This is Columbia. Yeah. Which is years behind on in some ways on yeah. these topics. And then I was like, well, if we want to do more – of like to reach the LGBT community and to make our churches safe for LGBT people, then I need to get equipped. Like I need, you know, to do that. Yeah. And so then obviously that led me to go get trained and it, it all kind of led me to really this whole thing of just trying to figure out who I am, you know, accepting, okay, you know, I am gay or Mm -hmm. same sex attracted. I really don't care about terminology. I don't really have a preference over either one, mm-hmm. though I normally just use gay because it's the common term. Right. It's just I I won't use it around people that are offended by it. Right. Because I know that people are offended by it. And so that kind of has all led me onto a thing of how to figure out my own, like trying to figure out my own community and where I belong,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which has been a journey of itself that I'm still on. And yeah. You know, trying to figure out. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm learning from this whole season Mm -hmm. is from Meg and Melinda and the people that, you know, we're going to be hearing later on, on mixed orientation marriages, celibate partnerships,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, adoption, family. But personally, me, at least to this point in my life, the place that I found the most community has been, I would say, in three places. So I would say that the... First place that I found community is in my biological family.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I, and I don't think that this is necessarily just a gay thing. Like, I think we all sometimes have a hard time finding community in our family. Yes. You know, I know that you can relate to that. Yeah. And, um, but it, it's been a process, you know, of, you know, talking with my parents, talking with my siblings, and at times feeling like they're never going to understand. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where... You have to understand the limits of where, of where they're going to get, you know, like it takes time. You have to have that patience, but also I've been very blessed with the way of being able to have a family that loves me, you know, and, and is willing to walk with me. Even if, even if they don't agree with me, I'm not saying that my whole family agrees with everything that I believe or everything that I do, you know, but, uh, the one thing I do love about my my biological family has been that we have always, and this is not just my immediate family, but my extended family, we have, our family has always been based on this understanding of we are stuck together, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And no matter what, if we disagree, we disagree.
1: Mm-hmm. But that
0: doesn't change the fact that we belong together. Right. And for me, that has been a huge point of being able to sit down with my family and say, listen, I am going to be open, more open as gay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm
0: going to go into this ministry. And to have literally my, my siblings say, you know what? We're here for you. Yeah. Even if we don't agree with things, we're here for you. Right. And I feel like that's something that's missing for so many LGBT people. That I also kind of wanted to cover it. Because I f- because there's not many people that I meet who are LGBT that would say, I have a great relationship with my family. On this topic. Right. You know, whereas I feel in many ways I can talk to my family about this topics, Mm -hmm. and to open up to them about these things. And so and it's something that I I cherish because I know it's not common. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's the first one. The second one is my adopted family, (laughs) which is something that throws a lot of people (laughs) off is because so... Uh, my brother, I it was okay. I'm trying to think of how to explain. It. So, my brother, <laughs> him and I will go places and we will say, Oh, hi, you know, we're brothers. And I love looking at people's faces because we're not biological brothers. No, he's Latino, look the same. No, at all. he's Latino. <laughs> yes, and I am white, 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 white.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so. It's really funny when people hear that we're brothers and they're like, wait, wait, what? And I think that people always wonder, like, what's going on? But for us, we're legitimate brothers. And so to explain a little bit who I'm talking about is actually my friend who I met before who brought me down to Columbia. We have since then, you know, being able to work together and walking through a whole mess of of really getting where we are today, um, God has really blessed that I have been able to be incorporated into his family as one of the kids yeah and in many ways he like in both ways i have been incorporated into his family he's been incorporated to my family which
1: also isn't normal
0: isn't normal no at all and especially the fact of that we were two that we were so close friends and then to really move into like i see him as a brother
1: yeah and i see you bicker like brothers (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) it's true we do
0: and not just him but like uh, his other brother, who I count as my brother, yeah. our two sisters, his like his parents. I call them. I I call them on Mother's Day. I call them on Father's Day. Um, I get their advice like parents. Yeah. We all go on vacations together. Yeah, and it's something that I didn't know was so amazing until. It happened, and it yeah. happened so naturally. It's like one
1: of those things where you didn't know you needed it till you had it, and then yes. you are like, "I needed this." Yeah,
0: I needed this yeah. because, in some ways, the things that I've learned from being in that family mm-hmm. and that I've been able to bring to, like my, my biological family here, and the same with Ed being in this in my biological family and being able to take to my adopted family. Yeah, and so this kind of connection of this fusion between the two families has been something that has been amazing for me has given me a community that I truly cherish even when they drive me insane because they do.
1: I think that even kind of touches on the whole aspect of having a spiritual family Mm -hmm. because it's like we hear so much in churches like, oh, you have a spiritual family. You've got spiritual parents and spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters. But then on like just because of the American culture, we're so independent that we don't necessarily know what that looks like. Yeah. And so then being able to see an example where that's played out and it's played out beautifully Uh is like like, really cool to see just on on the outside view from, like, my kind of perspective, yeah. just because it's cool to see, like, that's a spiritual family. Mm-hmm. That's what spiritual family actually is supposed to look like. And it's, like, you said that, um, like, it's not necessarily something that you knew you, that you needed until you had it. But, mm-hmm. like, um, but I think it's even looking at it is, like, you don't necessarily know that that's what that's supposed to look like until you see it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's the same thing with our group of friends. Yes. Like, so with the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And the Sensational Six. Yes. So we have Fantastic Four where there's four of us. And then we kind of incorporated two more people. So now it's
1: like the Sensational Six.
0: (laughs) The Sensational Six. Why are we such nerds that we come up with
1: names? I don't know. And you know what's funny is, like, I feel like you and I have also been big parts in In the naming.
0: Yeah, in the naming. Yeah. Well, because you're the Marvel fan and I'm like the fantasy yeah Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones fan. Um. But, I mean, I think it's the same way with that. Like, our whole group of friends is not something no. I would have ever expected because we're uh-huh. all so different. Yes. It's funny that how the four of us met.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was, like, just kind of happenstance because, like, you and I met. Uh-huh. And you knew Ed. And, and then somehow knew... Ed did, and... you, did you know Daly? No. I knew... Yeah, I no, knew, knew Daly. Oh, you knew Daly. I knew Daly. And then it was, like, Ed... It was like we all kind of like met separately and yes. then somehow came together.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, because you knew Daily and I had known you. Yeah. And Ed obviously knew me, and Ed knew Daily, and then we like <laughs> all came, <four> came together. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think it's something that's for me has also been so beautiful in the understanding of that. So many times we think our friends, we need to search for people that are like us. Yeah. And I think that there is a place for that. And mm-hmm. there's obviously things that I share with you in common. There's things that I share in common with Ed or with Daly or Ryan or Amanda. Yeah. But even with our similarities, each of us is so yes. extremely different. Yes. And yet I, I feel like we, you know, we don't live together. We're not this intentional community that no. I... I I don't know if we could live together. But
1: I mean, like, we are kind of intentional because we, we have a group chat. And yeah. so we're always on the group chat. We're always yeah. like... And
0: every week we're we're getting together. We intentionally get together. And, yeah. And we may not all get to six, get together at the same time all the time. Yeah. But most, many times, you know, we, we do and we can't, you know. Right. And I think for me, those three groups have been... Mm-hmm. So my biological family, adopted family, and our circle of friends have been the big three community groups that have gotten me through so much. Right. I don't think I would be at this point in my life if I didn't have community mm-hmm. in those three circles right. and worked to commit them. Now, the one thing that I like the other thing I want to say with that is and this kind of I feel is connected to the whole conversation on community and belonging, which is that just because I'm saying like that's great community does not mean I don't ever get lonely, right? And does not mean that you, you guys, and my family and the bi- adopted family meet all of my needs, right? Because first of all, I don't think that that would be healthy. No. Second of all, um, you know, no community, not even a ro- no sing, like romantic relationship, no community group, no church, no family can meet everyone's needs. Yeah. You're always going to have points when you feel lonely. Right. And so I don't want people to think that what I'm saying is, oh, with this, my life is perfect and I never, like, want for anything. Right. But it's that's not the case. Right.
1: I think, um, I think that, you know, we get into this whole habit of being social and we have so many different groups and stuff. And so it's easy to be like, oh, my family is amazing. So they're everything or like i think a lot of people try to have a lot of different friend groups but then then we kind of find that point where they don't meet our needs and i feel like those are the moments where it's like that's when god's like but i should be the one filling your exactly. needs and um and I think that's just so important. I think having a good group of friends and – because, I mean, even just for me as a single – as a single straight woman, I mean, it gets hard for me sometimes. I get lonely and I deal with um, just, you know, wondering, do my friends even like me? Am I ever going to find someone like where – like just, you know, dealing with those questions. But – You know, having those different groups of friends and having just a strong community around me where I can be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you all pray for me? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a huge thing that is not a lot of people are scared to have. But it's so important.
0: Yeah. And I think that's so true because it's like, you know, a few months ago, I think when it was for your birthday, Mm -hmm. when we went out. Yeah. And we had that conversation. Like, we were all hanging out and asking Ryan why he hates us. (laughs) Um, which none of you get that joke and it's fine. Um, but we were asking him why he hates us. And then we got into a conversation about dating and singleness and loneliness. And like, I was sharing about how I was really lonely.
2: Yeah.
0: And I was really struggling with feeling like I, you know, I don't know, like with the whole dating situation and, and being alone and all of this, different, you know, I was going through like all of that kind of stuff. And being able to have you guys share your perspective and your, like, situations, I think it was also good, like, I always try to balance my friends between, like, I have my side B friends, Mm -hmm. and I have my friends that are not side B, because I think for me it always helps me remember that, first of all, like, having friends, and not just side B versus, like, straight, I think it's also a matter of, like, having friends that are similar to me versus different than me, Mm -hmm. because... The friends that are similar to me, obviously, they get my problems, you know, like, without, you know, my side B friends understand when I say what I'm feeling. They're like, oh, yep, I know.
2: Yeah. I get it. Yeah.
0: But then it's also good to have people that maybe don't have the exact same issues as you because then many times you'll find that you actually do have similar issues. But you didn't think that you
1: did. Exactly. And then you
0: realize, wow, okay. Like, like,
1: just because our sexualities are different doesn't mean that emotionally it's not it's very similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually interesting because in the past week, you know, it's, it's only been one week. But I decided a while ago that I don't really have a lot of straight male friends. So I need more straight males in my life. <laughs> um, straight men in my life. And so I started going to a men's group. And really for the purpose of... I, I went to a men's group where it was all straight guys. Um or at least... To my knowledge, <laughs> to my knowledge, it's all straight men. Um, but what what I'm saying with all of that is, it's I feel like those places they're difficult first of all because yeah. you know you're hearing people dating, but you know and and having things that maybe necessarily I don't you know can't have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's really good to then be able to hear people say what they're wrestling through and what they're going through, and be like, oh wow, you know what? Like I deal with that, and so it's it's not that uncommon, you yeah. know. I think even for me, that's been something good to hear from married couples, because uh-huh. I'll hear sometimes married couples feel like I'm so alone, and I'm like,
1: oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like marriage is not the end all. Marriage is not the end,
0: all. and I'm not. I hope you guys don't take away from this that like I'm always feeling lonely. No, I'm not no. always feeling lonely, but I do feel lonely. And marriage at times. is great, and marriage is but. great, but um, I I feel like sometimes we we always feel like we have to put our best face forward. And in even in, in our community, it's like, oh, yeah. my community is great and we have no problems or my life is great. We have no problems. And it's like if we really open up about all of our problems, we would probably realize that everyone else is having similar things. Yeah. You know, so I I think that's something very important that we many times don't talk about. And we forget the importance of that. And
1: I think that's with you. That's something that you try to do is you definitely try to be open about your story. And you definitely try to be like, hey, I'm dealing with this or I'm struggling with this. So that people that are struggling with similar things or that are going through similar things, they can be like, oh, there's someone that I can identify with because I thought that I was by myself in this. Yeah. And so... I think that's important also is just being open and vulnerable Uh and just reaching that place where you're like, you know what? Maybe nobody understands, but I'm still going to put myself out there in the hope that someone does because Mm -hmm. like then it's all of a sudden that's what grows community is being vulnerable and being like, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. And then you never know who's going to come out and be like, me too.
0: Exactly. Really. And, and, you know, they kind of, like, bring a little bit more practicality to this whole entire conversation. I wanted to give a few points that I've kind of learned with related to biological family and friendships. That, yeah, and, and please chime in anything that you're thinking of. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of give thoughts of like, if you are a side B person and you're, or anyone really, honestly, um, and you are wanting a better relationship with your biological family, or you're like, wow, like, I want you know, a friend group, you know. Um, that is, is close, you know, I, I think that the first thing that I've, I've really learned through my experience that I would wish I would love for people to know is kind of like what I was saying before is with, with family, I think a lot of it is patience and courage. Yes. It's, you have to have the patience to know that they're not going to change their views in a day or a year. No, that's a long haul commitment.
1: Yes. That's why you're family, because you're stuck together forever. Because you're stuck (laughs) together
0: forever. But I think it also takes courage of saying, I can see what my family needs to work on, and I'm going to be the person to push it. Yeah. And many times pushing it doesn't doesn't mean telling people, hey, we need to do this, but doing it yourself. Like, for instance, I feel my family needs to be more open about our issues. All right. I'm going to be more open. Mm -hmm. I feel we're not good at dealing with conflict. All right. I'm going to be the one to deal with conflict. Yeah. You're not going to be popular at first. No. No. But <laughs> I feel like that's where over time and with that patience then, that courage and that patience can really many times help us. And I'm not saying that it's going to work in every situation. Mm-hmm. I Every situation is very different. And sadly, there's a lot of people that are LGBT people in general that they just don't even have a relationship with their families. Yeah. And in those cases, it's it's a completely different situation of, of really just – trying to restore that relationship and that takes both both sides to try and restore it but um i do want to encourage people with that is like if your biological family relationship with your biological family is not necessarily what you would love for it to be just not to lose hope but just to stick to that patience and stick to that courage that things can change yeah over but it's just you have to understand that it's not going to happen in
1: a day and one point that I also want to touch on is that if you're also someone that is a family member of someone that's struggling with something, whether it's LGBT issues or, you know, depression or just uh, just anything in general, yeah. then I think the first thing is to seek to understand, not wait for your turn to speak mm-hmm. um, and not just judge them for their differences, but just be like, okay this person is different than I am. Yeah. How can I understand them better? What are the questions that I can ask? Rather than being like, no, you're wrong. You're going to hell. Yeah. Uh, be, you know, be open and just ask, ask those questions and, and open your heart to just listen and be like, because I feel like a lot of times you're going to start, understanding them more and you're going to open up that connection and that relationship so much more by just being like by seeking to understand and that person is going to start realizing that they can trust you with their problems and they're Mm going to start opening up to you more and then you've got that open communication going which is key in these kind of relationships
0: I think that's really that's that's really important um yeah I would say the other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on with with your friend friend groups the one thing i've learned from our friend group is i think for so long i was always searching for friends that were like me yeah and and obviously you always you have to have common interests obviously you have to have yes. things in common but um you know whether that's like like i really was only searching for other men or i was really only searching for people with the exact same interests as me mm-hmm. or the same personality as me and while each of our friends I have something in common with in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of things that I I don't share in common. Yeah. But I think that that's what makes our friendship so... um, Rich. Rich and beautiful is because Mm -hmm. each of us brings something so different. Yes. So different to the table. And you're like, wow, okay, so you're doing that. You're doing that. I'm here. You're there. Mm -hmm. And so what I I would love to encourage people is, um, you know, sometimes the friends... That you need in your life may not be always the people who are exactly like you or have so much in common with you. Sometimes a group of friends is made rich when there's so much different in between every person. Yeah. And so I would just say don't cut that off. Don't cut off those opportunities. Because honestly, like, if we hadn't um, all just been brought together, like, I don't think I would have been friends with someone like Daily or... Uh, no, I love you daily. I love you daily. Please, please don't hate me. But I'm just saying is that, like, I never would have approached her right? to be friends.
1: Like, on our own, we never would yeah, have like, been friends. Yeah, like, I
0: never would have approached... Um, I don't know if I would have approached Ryan. Yeah. On our own. I mean, unless... Until we found out that we had the same birthday. <laughs> and then we were like, hey, we have something in common.
1: <laughs> I Okay, so I feel like... I mean, part of it, too, is, I mean, being in the same places with them a lot. So, because kind of similar with me, Daly and Ryan were, and Ed. Ed,
0: too, yeah. Like,
1: me and Ed are completely different. But, like, you know, being in those same areas, and especially with Daily, in in particular, I mean, I've told her this many times, so it's not like this is anything new. And, <laughs> and I want to also preface with, I love you, daily. <laughs> but when we were first getting to know each other, I was like, I, I don't like. Who is this person? Why does she keep wanting to like be my friend? I, you know, we're so different. I don't necessarily, you know, see myself being friends with someone like her. But, um, but then. It was just kind of over time, God was like, um, I think you should actually get to know her. And then I'd be like, no, God, I don't want to. But God was still like, mm, but yeah, I re- I really think you should get to know her. And so finally, eventually, I just started trying to ask her questions again, asking questions and opening up that mm-hmm. line of communication. And then all of a sudden, three years later, now she's one of my best friends and I couldn't imagine my life without her. And, um, and I think that that's also important is just, you know, like you said, be open to people that are different from you because I think that it with just even like the six of us, the sensational six, it's like, we're all so different. Like I'm so different from Amanda. I'm very different from Ryan and you and Ed, but at the same time, it's like when I'm dealing with something, usually someone's perspective it may be different than mine, but it's what I need in that exactly. moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like our strengths and weaknesses round each mm-hmm. other out. And so it's like we're this one big strong group mm-hmm. together because we've opened up and we have that mm-hmm. connection. And
0: that's the good thing about the other perspectives, because if everyone in your friend group has your same perspective, mm-hmm. then going to them, or it's if going all
1: have the same strengths and weaknesses. Exactly.
0: Then it's like you're not helping each other. Right. In some ways. Um, so I think that that's I don't know I I like these I just wanted to be able to share on this topic because I I felt like it was something that um, was really important that many times in this conversation of uh well maybe not in general conversations but at least when i was looking over my episode list for this season yeah. i was like this is really missing uh mm-hmm. first of all that you guys could get to know me and second of all to be able to talk about biological family and adopted family and and just general friendship that may not be living together
2: yeah but
0: um but what that looks like and in between people of the same sex and in between people of the opposite sex yeah and so I want to thank you so much for being here.
1: I want to thank than you for having me on. Yes. This well, has been fun. Right? <laughs> yes. This is not going to be the last time. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it better, it better not be. <laughs>
0: um, is there anything else you wanted to share right before we go? Um,
1: no? I think – I mean, I, I kind of just want to also maybe touch on the whole friendship thing just again because I feel so strongly about it. It's been something where it's like – something that's been so impactful in my life over the last three years because I don't necessarily have, um, like my, my immediate family is really great. Like I love my immediate family. We just, we've been through a lot of struggles together. And so we're just kind of a very tight knit group. Like my sisters are just four of the most important people in my life. Um, but outside of that, outside of my family, like the, my sisters and I have always kind of felt like the black sheep in our family. And so being able to have that friendship and have like such a, like the community that we have in the Sensational Six has just been so impactful in my life and has really pushed me way past boundaries that i had for myself and got me out of my comfort zone and i think one of the quotes that i really love is like show me your five closest friends and i'll show you your future and i think that's so true because i started surrounding myself i surrounded myself with five amazing people actually six amazing people counting Haley, because oh, Haley true. is and like amazing. amazing i love her Um, she's like a fireball it's awesome (laughs) Um, but surrounding myself with such good people that are constantly encouraging me and constantly pushing me forward even when I'm like in moments where I'm like I don't want to do anything I just want to say screw it all leave me alone I'm just going to become a hermit somewhere in Colorado and live with 50 dogs (laughs) (laughs) not cats and 70 cats, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but also it's just like having that, those people that are constantly encouraging me and constantly pushing yeah. me to, to, to be better. Like, I don't think that I ever would have moved to Columbia for those six months if I didn't have you guys telling me like I think this would be a really great experience because I had just recently lost my job and I was down in the dumps thinking that I would only be but be good for retail for the mm-hmm. rest of my life and being like oh well I guess I'll just move up the management chain in a retail shop but then like having you guys be like no you have so much more gifts and so much more potential inside of you you need to you know get out of your comfort Uh zone and so that really like was the catalyst that i think has given me a lot of courage and strength and and everything so i would just really really strongly encourage you guys to to find a good community of friends that just push you forward and encourage you that is great
0: well Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, for those of you who are going to be at Revoice, we cannot wait to see you there. Uh,
1: (laughs) And thank you for putting up with my straight woman self. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for
0: putting up with my gay self. Oh, yes. All the
1: time.
0: So be on the lookout for our next episode, which will be released on June 12th oh my goodness I'm so excited Wow and it's gonna be a exciting. really great one it'll be our first post revoice um episode so uh, be on the lookout for that and we'll talk to you soon.